Dublin's Talking Sport with Ken Doherty and Reggie Corrigan. Sponsored by insuremycars.ie, low-cost car insurance specialists. See how much you can save at insuremycars.ie. On Sunshine 106.8. Sunshine 106.8 Dublin's Talking Sport Welcome to Dublin's Talking Sports Podcast with me, Ken Doherty, and my good friend, Reggie Corrigan. Thanks for tuning in to catch up on the latest GAA, football, rugby, and all the crack. Enjoy the show, and don't forget, rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. This bank holiday weekend, so much sport going on. What could be wrong with you, Ken, in all fairness? Yeah, looking forward to the rugby tonight. Absolutely, absolutely. And you should mention the fact that England, yes, England are the third best team in the world after their 26-23 to victory over Argentina last night. Would you have credited that at the start of the tournament? Yeah, definitely not, no. It's, and it's such a shame that Ireland uh, could have been in that final tonight as well. Very, very close in course against New Zealand. Very disappointing. Not they're not there. They had a wonderful chance, didn't they? You know, and uh, when New Zealand played just with a better team on the day, unfortunately. So we have to watch South Africa, who Ireland have already beaten uh, in the championship to uh, take on New Zealand. And probably South Africa might be slightly favourites the way they've been playing. Yeah, of course, two teams who lost group matches. Um, South Africa, of course, lost to us. And the New Zealand All Blacks lost their very first game to the French, which put them behind the eight ball. So both of them have recovered very well to advance to tonight's final. As I say, Dan Van Ziel, the former Springbok scrum half, will be with us a little later on to go in-depth on that. Now, just uh, turning our attention to your own sport, things are, are progressing nicely up in Belfast. They are, yeah. Judd Trump, he's on an 18-match winning run. Of course, he's won the last two ranking events. He's in the semi-final. And the potential of uh, meeting his good friend Jack Lazowski in the final, who's in the other semi-final, who has yet to win his fourth ranking event. Judd Trump, I think he's on 23 now ranking event titles. Uh, looking for 24 this weekend. And, uh, yeah, 18-match winning run. Very fantastic. It's amazing the way he's... Uh, you know, after a sort of last probably poor two seasons for him um, not picking up too many titles but to, uh, to you know to get us to come back and playing so well and uh, yeah he's looking really really good actually at the moment and the crowds are as enthusiastic as ever attending the event yeah great crowd uh, great one place the waterfront you know it's a, a magical place unfortunately I lost the Inborns up there on the on Tuesday, and would have had a, had a chance uh, to play just up in the next match, but it wasn't to be. But yeah, I love, love the waterfront. Uh, great crowds, wonderful city, and uh, brings me back some great memories of... Uh, I played the great Alex Higgins there a long, long time ago, and a benefit, sort of testimonial for him after winning the World Championship back in 97, just to, to raise some money for him. And uh, it was absolutely packed to the rafters. Two and a half thousand people, and he was a great, uh, he was a great friend, Alex Higgins, and, and the, the whole of the city turned out for him to raise some money for him. It was a great night, you know, a great place. Uh, we won't delve too deeply into, but I know we know Alex's reputation on the table and a lot of it off the table as, as well, lived out through the tabloids and that. But briefly, as as a personal man, a personal friend, what was he like? He was amazing. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, he could rub people up the wrong way. He, he was a very Jekyll and Hyde type of a character. Uh, and he famously said to me once, uh, was smoking a cigarette and drinking a pint of Guinness, looking at a picture of George Best, who I played many, many moons ago. Um, he looked at the picture, took a, a drag of the cigarette, a sip of the 
the, the, the point of Guinness and said, uh, George Best, what a waste. My abiding memory was you know, growing up watching the uh, the Benson Hedges Irish Masters, you know, and the lads sitting down having a couple of points, you know, during the course of the game, you know, it was remarkable. And the, the cigarettes as well. I think Bill Werbeneck wasn't he? Uh, wasn't he one of the great characters back ba- back in the day? Yeah, he was and said to me when I got a job as an usher in, in Goff's once, you know, that to get him a drink when he was at the table. I was only 14. And he said, uh, if I ask you for an orange juice, that means a vodka and orange juice. <laughs> and if I ask you for a vodka and orange juice, that means a double. I said, what are you playing? He says, he says yes, please. Anyway, 151. <laughs> oh, very good. Very good. Now, news broke last weekend, sad news in the world of football, of course, Ken, with the, the loss of the great Bobby Charlton, having lost his battle to dementia at the age of, of, of 86. A legend not only to Manchester United fans, but football fans in, in, in general. And people mention the name Bobby Charlton, I suppose Munich comes to mind, the World Cup in 66, obviously, as well. What were your own memories of the great man? Ah, he was just a wonderful uh, footballer, a uh, wonderful gentleman, a great ambassador for Manchester United, and uh, always very nice to me. Any time he loved the snooker, you know, and any time I was at Manchester United, he always said a kind word. Always came over for a chat, and shook my hand. He, he was just, uh, you know, football in terms. He was, a, he was a, a great footballer, man, a great player, probably one of the best players that's ever played in an England short and a Manchester United short as well, no doubt. There's a wonderful. Uh, statue of him, George Best and Dennis Law outside Manchester United and uh, yeah he was just one of the greats, one of the greats and uh, sadly lost with dementia you know, uh, but uh, yeah he'd be forever remembered for for 66 of course the World Cup and of course in 68 when he won the the European Cup as well with Manchester United at Wembley with George Best scoring in that final as well against Benfica and uh, yeah great footballer man and what a player yeah, I would say probably, in my mind, 68 would have meant more to him. Now, you would say, well, how could that trump a World Cup two years before that? But considering what had happened in 58 in Munich, and he'd lost so many great teammates in that at that particular time to walk up the steps of Wembley and lift the European Cup was, was a tremendous uh, feeling for him. And they had an iconic picture which went around social media during the week of him standing in his old Manchester United shirt looking at the, the picture of the, the Busby Babes that unfortunately lost their lives that particular afternoon in Munich. So he'll, he'll never be forgotten, Bobby Charlton, that's for sure. And I'm sure his spirit lived on at Old Trafford during the week as well in the uh, the Champions League, Ken, as well. It did, yeah. I mean, uh, it was a great night. It was a, a sort of a very sombre night, you know, and uh, a great sort of uh, little memorial for Bobby Charlton. And... Uh, and I think he was looking down on Manchester United because they uh, survived, the, of course, the penalty in the, in the last dying minutes, dying seconds, uh, by Armana. And that might sort of spark their season into place, but they've still got a long way to go. I mean, they play Man City tomorrow, which is going to be uh, a huge sort of uh, baptism of fire for them. Not Old Trafford, thankfully, but um, it's going to be very, very tough, you know. But they've won the last three now, but uh, I think, you know, sort of papering over the cracks a little bit. They've, there's a lot of problems in the club, as we all know, well documented. And uh, the sale of the club didn't go through. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of problems behind the scenes. Christmas, of course, is very close, which means that the January transfer window is even closer as well. So they'll be hoping to do some serious business uh, during during that as well. But what about the transformation of Harry Maguire? Yeah, 
yeah. I mean, nearly sold in, in the summer, and only, only down to his own stubbornness, I suppose, ultimately he didn't go. Yeah. But uh, has really turned it around in, in the last few weeks for club and for country as well. Yeah, I mean, he just managed a match in, uh, you know, a, a couple of matches ago. He scored the winner, of course, with the header, you know, um, against Copenhagen, which was great. I'm delighted for him. You know, he's, he's a good lad. I know he didn't go, and, and he got a lot of bills. I mean, when he came to Dublin to the Aviva, and the... Pre-season friendly, he was built off the pitch, you know, and uh, he didn't want to go because the, the terms of the contract went up from, and you could understand that a little bit. But he stuck in there and stayed there, you know, even though he's demoted as captain as well, uh, and that'd be enough to drive anybody away, you know, with all those things going on. But now he's he's stuck to his guns and he's playing some good football, so he might actually stay in the team, even if Verandas come back or Lindelof. Uh, he's going to stay in the team, I think, the way he's been playing, which is great. I'm delighted for him. Moving a little bit down the coast to Liverpool, they're getting uh, very accustomed to Thursday night football at the moment, having done a great victory in Europe during the week um, themselves, and uh, they'll be looking to maintain their good uh, domestic form this weekend as well, Ken. Yeah, they're playing some good football. Yeah, they've got their sort of mojo back, I'd say. You know, they're playing with a bit of sort of confidence and flair. They're scoring goals as well. They're scoring bits back on. Uh, you know, he hadn't. I don't think the season last year was that great. You know, his confidence looked a little bit low. Looks to sort of restore that. And they're going to be a real threat, I think, this year in the Premier League. Uh, Liverpool, and they, they'll push Arsenal and they'll push, I think, Man City. But that, you know, the Thursday nights might catch up with them in the end, playing in that Europa League. So many matches, you know. And uh, But they're going to breeze through, the, obviously, the qualifying stages. But uh, it's when it gets down to the the knockout stages and they've got some big matches in the Premier League coming up uh, I think that might hurt them a little bit you know and uh, it might might be their own doing actually in the Premier League but they might go on and win that Europa League tournament Just think about this for a second now right if Manchester United drop out of the Champions League which is very possible they'll drop into the Europa League won't they Liverpool already in that competition and the final is in the Aviva Stadium <laughs> next, next April or May so wouldn't that be some occasion for Irish football well, very very hard to get a ticket as well I know that between the Liverpool and Man United fans in Ireland uh, yeah it'd be very very uh, special wouldn't it uh, but let's not count the chickens no. just yet Declan you know you don't go anywhere into the Europa League just yet hopefully <laughs> no not not just yet not just yet indeed and staying with football I mean we spoke about Bobby Charlton's sad passing there during the week and Everton lost their chairman uh, Bill Kenwright during the week as well that could have a significant impact on them not going so well on the pitch off the pitch of course things are developing nicely with the new stadium being built and that there mm. yeah another uh, you know a great footballer man Bill Kenwright uh, been with Everton for years at every game you know you always see him in the stands and uh, yeah sad loss for, for the club as well but as you say you know the, the club are in dire need of uh, some infrastructure some money some new players and uh, they've got a good manager Sam Dyke you know so obviously who was with Burnley for a long long time and uh, he's a really good manager but he's you know, he needs a lot of money there. He needs to, needs to spend some money on, on suppliers. Don't know where he get it. I don't know whether there's much money there, but um, they need something to start moving up that table. Absolutely. And domestically last night, Shamrock Rovers winning the four in a row here um, in Ireland. Uh, great stuff from Stephen Bradley's crew. 2-0 winners against St. Patrick's Athletic. The first time since 1987 that they won the four in a row. And the difference this time, Ken, is that the one man has been in charge for the four successes in terms of Stephen Bradley. Tremendous success for him. Absolutely brilliant, yeah. Delighted for Rovers. You know, of course, they used to play in Glenmore Park up in Milltown and 
where I used to sell programs for them as a young, young kid, actually many, many moons ago. But yeah, delighted for them. Absolutely thrilled for them. And uh, they've got a great stadium, they a great following, and they're playing some great football under, under Stephen Bradley. I'm delighted for him as well, you know, and uh, good luck to them. I hope they, uh, they enjoy the weekend, actually, and I'm sure they will. Yeah, I'm sure they will. Yeah, they got to go to Cork on Monday and finish their league campaign against Sligo next uh, Friday night at um, Tallis Stadium. It was an interesting one here because the, we mentioned '87 there the last time they won the four in a row. Their last game in the old Glenmalure Park was against Sligo Rovers in an FAI Cup semi final, which they won. Um, their last league game in the four in a row winning season is against. Yeah, Sligo Rovers next uh, Friday night at Tallis Stadium. So how it comes full circle in life. But uh, well, well done to them all up there. Um, are you keeping an eye on the old racing front? Anything, any good tips for us? Can we need to win a few, Bob, this weekend? I know, but I know, George, uh, I backed the, the, the four-timer, uh, not last week, the week before, and he had two winners out of it. So he's been doing, some, he's been doing well, George. I, I, I had a lovely day at Limerick Races last week last Sunday and uh, really enjoyed that and back to uh, Rachel Blackmore in a couple of races that came up came up lovely so uh, I'm looking forward to him George McDonough lucky 15 this weekend and might, uh, might give us all a little goose while we're watching the rugby and, and of course watching Man United against Man City tomorrow so you never know I knew I, I knew I missed a WhatsApp during the week. That was the invitation to the Limerick races, was it? It must have been, yeah. <laughs> Great stuff. Anything else finally, Ken, catching your, your eye in the world of sport this week? Looking forward to, uh, looking forward to the, as I said, the rugby. Looking forward to the snooker as well, the semi-finals, up in Belfast, and of course the big match tomorrow, the big Manchester derby. It doesn't get much bigger than that. And uh, the only bigger match I think than this is, is probably the, uh, the match against Liverpool. But uh, yeah, looking forward to, to City coming to Old Trafford and with Man United on a little bit of a run. Hopefully the confidence is restored, but they still got it all to do. They can all to do. After seven gruelling weeks, the curtain comes down on the Rugby World Cup. The All Blacks and the Springboks are looking to lift the Webb Ellis Trophy for a record fourth time. To help us look forward to the game is former Springbok Dan Van Zeel. A very good morning, Dan. Pleasure to talk to you. Good morning and thanks for having me on again. No problem. I can only imagine the sense of anticipation (laughs) in your household is immense ahead of kickoff tonight. Yeah, I know there's Springbok fever, you know, building up the whole week and definitely can't wait uh, for the game tonight. Okay. Well, let's look briefly at at last night and England, of course, securing third place in the competition with a three-point victory over the Pumas in Argentina. 26 points to 23. When this World Cup kicked off what seems like a lifetime ago now, Dan, you wouldn't have put England in third place? Um, No, I wouldn't have, but I think on one of the first chats that I had with uh, you guys I said they could be a dark horse you know because of the pool that they were in and then you know Steve Portswick uh, during the time picking uh, George Ford that played really well man of the match in the first two games and so on so they probably didn't deserve it but you know at the end of the day they, they came third which for them is a great result. Yeah, indeed, indeed it is. And uh, we'll talk maybe briefly a bit about the Irish situation a little bit later. But the game itself tonight, as I say, both sides going for a record fourth Webb Ellis uh, trophy. It's going to be some occasion uh, tonight. Both sides, of course, coming into this uh, final, having lost uh, a pool game as well. Yes, no, and I think, <coughs> excuse me, if you started uh, um, when the World Cup started, I don't think people thought 
that New Zealand and South Africa will play the final. Everybody's money was probably on France and Ireland. So I think they, they came through difficult pools. Uh, South Africa, two very hard games in the quarterfinal and semifinal where the Argentina game for New Zealand, probably not so much. But, you know, the history that's there, uh, the first time that they're in a final since 95, only the second time ever. So I think all of that is going to play to the play out to the drama tonight. Yeah, it's a, I mean, I was looking at the England-South um, Africa semi-final last weekend and like a lot of people I would think, and I wouldn't be the most knowledgeable person on rugby, but to be, to be fair and honest about it, but looking at it, I was very, very surprised at how well England had done in the game, but wasn't ultimately surprised that the Springboks had come through. Would that have been a fair enough assessment of it? Yes, no, I think South Africa would, would say themselves they were very lucky to get through that, you know, and I know a lot has been made about referee decisions here and there but even last night you could see Michael Checker so that's just part and parcel of the game and look you're going to get good calls you're going to get bad calls and you have to accept it but I think I was surprised of the team that South Africa picked for the semi-final because of the emotional draining that they would have had the previous week against France and to go with an unbeaten team I I think that showed on the night um, and you know but then they're ruthless enough to, to take somebody off after 30 minutes when they see it's not working and ultimately win the game at the end. Yes, indeed. And what about the, 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 the All Blacks? I mean, they're the, the epitome of, of sporting royalty in, in rugby, of course. And no more than the Springboks are, of course, um, as well. What have you made of their progress through the tournament this year? And, of course, they do have a, a semi-Irish connection in the shape of Joe Smith, who spent many happy years here. Look, I think, and I've listened to quite a few interviews this week and so on, and I I do believe Joe is in the background and he's done a hell of a lot, you know, the breakdown uh, expertise that that they showed against Ireland, you know, the technical and tactical nose that he's got of <clears throat> when they played against Ireland, um, kicking into the chip space uh, for Ireland's blitz defence, um, and just how they improved through... Uh, through the tournament. They've got the top line out in the tournament. They, their scrum success is actually better than South Africa's. They've got more turnovers, but funny enough, everybody says they're a team in hand and they've kicked more than South Africa in this World Cup. So they know when to, uh, when to attack space that's left behind. And, and I expect that to be the case tonight as well with South Africa using a blitz defense that, that they'll, they'll go to the air quite a bit. Yeah, so you're, are you saying expecting the, the box then to have to endure and soak up a lot of a lot of all backs pressure? Yeah, and that's that's going to be the case, you know. But then again, uh, very true to the Springbok DNA, they went for a seven-one split again. So it's going to be fascinating because the one team, the All Blacks, is a try-scoring team. They like to play ball in hand. Although I just said they they've kicked more, but that's more about identifying the space that's there in the backfields. And South Africa is, you know, very direct and play a, play a field position game and, and want to get points. So, so, no, the All Blacks have improved every game that they've played. I think Sam Kane, when he stands in the tunnel, you can see a real determination in his face. I think he's sick of being uh, not called upon in the same vein as what a Richie McCall was, you know, captaining uh, New Zealand in the, in, the, in the final. So I think New Zealand has got a lot to prove uh, to people uh, 
in their own country and to others. And I think that makes them even more dangerous tonight because normally everybody will just expect them to win. But they've got a real determination that, you know, they lost the series against Ireland. They got badly beaten by South Africa, beaten by France in the opening game. But that all brought them together and they've just slowly but surely improved and, and had some magnificent performances throughout. We all hoped, of course, here when the tournament started that we'd be settling down to see Ireland win the, the Webb Ellis <laughs> Cup for the first time in, in our history and unfortunately, of course, that didn't happen. So whatever happens in the Stade de France from 8 o'clock this evening, the, that trophy is making its way back to the Southern Hemisphere tomorrow or maybe on, on Monday. But the burning question, Dan, and this is why we, we have you on to make calls like this is it going back to the uh, to New Zealand or is it going back to South Africa? Does your head overrule your heart on this one? No. If if it was Ireland, South Africa in the final, it might have been. But <laughs> no, it and art says says South Africa. I do think you know so it's going to be very close. Um, you know, I think if South Africa win, it will be two or three points. I think if New Zealand win, it could be more. Um, and it's really important just that South Africa start very well because I think with a team that they picked, uh, once they're on top of you, it's going to be difficult to to score against them. But if New Zealand, similar to the Ireland game, if New Zealand gets up to 10 or 13 point advantage, I don't know if South Africa is going to have the players to chase the game. So I hope for a really, really good first 20 minutes where we 10 points up and then see how the Kiwis respond and if they can. Yeah, what's your assessment, Dan, of the Irish situation and what happened in the, in the tournament? Look, I think if you look at, and I'm not a big statistics man, but Ireland's line-out was number 13, I think, of all the teams in the, in the competition. You know, New Zealand and South Africa is in the top three of line-outs. And there's so many line-out launches and even line-out defense and, and so on. So I think that, bar the draw, bar refereeing decisions, all other things, I think that probably cost Ireland at the end. Is Their line-out success was just not good enough. Um, you know, and they lost vital line-outs in the opposition 22 in that all-black game and so on. And look... Uh, Mentally, again, it's easy to say we're a new team, we this, we that. But I do think the pressure at the end got to them. And although they played very good rugby and it was a good game, Ireland was probably 10% off uh, where they normally are during that game. And in big games like that, you just can't do it. You know, South Africa didn't even have an entry in the in the French 22 and they scored three tries in the first half. So... You've just, I think, mentally, they uh, they were probably, you know, the occasion probably got to them. They made mistakes that they normally wouldn't make, and then. But the biggest thing for me is their line-out success rate wasn't as good as what it used to be in the Six Nations. Okay, and I see that uh, Bundy Aki has uh, committed his future to Connacht and the IRFU for another uh, couple of years there as well. Yesterday, just finally on the on the World Cup in general, in general Dan, um, is rugby at ten o'clock tonight after this World Cup is completed in a better place worldwide than when it started? Oh, I definitely think so. You know, um, well, it would be if South Africa win. If South Africa don't win, it wouldn't be. <laughs> but. Uh, no, I, I do think so. You know, certainly our country, you know, everything that goes on there, um, you know, 
will get galvanized for, for a period of time if South Africa can win. But I think the big thing about this World Cup is how well the other teams have played. You know, the Portugals, the Uruguays, Chile, all those guys that got a shot at it, you know, and the fluency in what they played. I think different from other World Cups, this was more attacking World Cup than a defensive orientated World Cup. And I think oh. that brings spectators to the game as well, you know, where they like to see uh, ball in hand, you know, turnovers, transition play. So it's been epic. You know, you go back to those quarterfinals. I mean, I don't think there's ever been a World Cup with better semifinals even than that. So, and then in the pool stages, as I say, Fiji, Portugal, Chile, Uruguay, all those teams, I think, um, for me anyway, it was a great World Cup. We're going to turn our attention now to Gaelic Games. And during the week, it was announced by the LGFA that Christina McGinty of Thomas Davis is to be inducted into the Hall of Fame at the Ladies All-Star Awards on Saturday, November the 18th here in the capital. Christina has given a lifetime of service to Thomas Davis and Dublin across all different uh, methods, playing and coaching as well. And no better woman to win that honour as well. I'm delighted to say that she's taken time out from our busy schedule on the Kiltipper Road to talk to us this morning. So, very good morning to you, Christina. Morning, Declan. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Very well indeed. First of all, congratulations on the honour. Tremendous uh, acknowledgement of all the hard work that you've done over many, many years up there. Can I just bring you back to, you know, when you got the phone call or the email or whatever way they managed to to tell you about this? Uh, Can you remember when it came through? Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, Michael, the president of the Ladies Association, uh, rang me. And uh, I was shocked to be at first, to be honest with you. I wasn't expecting it, just... An ordinary taller girl <laughs> playing football in Thomas Davis all my life and uh, playing with Dublin and just to get the honour of uh, the Hall of Fame is, is special. Yeah, you kind of stop and think about it for a second, don't you? You know, Hall of Fame, you know, it's a uh, it's, it's tremendous honour indeed. Now, as I say, you've had a lifetime of involvement with Thomas Davis as a player. The the junior championship of, was it 89, I think it was, and all through that. And um, a great success with the club at junior and intermediate championship level as well. Dublin at inter-county level, Christina, has had tremendous success over the last 20 years or so. And Thomas Davis have been to the fore for a fair bit of that as well, particularly in the likes of Siobhan McGrath and, of course, all and Kerry as well. Yeah, we've always had a few represent- representations from the club at juvenile level as well. You've had Tammy Quinn, Kerry Owens. I shouldn't start naming now, but yeah, and Kira McGuigan going through the ranks as well. She also played the Dublin scene. She won an All-Ireland with Dublin. And obviously Siobhan McGrath and Alwyn Kerry always flying the flag really well for Thomas Davidson representing as well. Even winning All-Stars and, and uh, McGrath herself winning uh, Players Player of the Year a few years ago at the banquet. Yeah, this gives you tremendous personal satisfaction to see these 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 girls who have grown into into fine women and fine players uh, developing the the success that they have. Absolutely, and Thomas Davis was, was trying trying to develop players. I was up there on tours the evening, and there must have been over hundred girls on Tipper Road as you see yourself in the Astro playing football, and they all strive. Look, the most important thing is to play football with your club and enjoy and be with your friends and. When we see them developing and going on representing Thomas Davis with Dublin, it's great. We've had many of the Blues night up there before All-Ireland Finals where we introduced any girl that represented Thomas Davis and played with Dublin from underage level up to senior level. And uh, it probably encourages and it shows the younger girls they can strive to believe they want to play with Dublin. There's an opportunity there for them to keep playing club and 
And of course, it's going to be a tremendous night on November the 18th because I think we were nominated for 12 awards in 2023 ourselves and being the Ireland champions, no doubt, we'll get the, the bulk of them. But you'll be there with, with your family and, and friends and thinking of many great people from your club down, down through the years who have helped you to where you are today as well, Christina. Yeah, it'll be a great night in my life, first of all. I'd like to thank all the mentors that I've had throughout the years and people who've helped me in the coaching situation as well. I coached for years as well, still coaching, but uh, especially the mentors that encourage you to keep playing. The mentors aren't there who are all voluntary. You know, they've always encouraged me and, and um, kind of helped me find, find my feet and find my way in, in Gaelic football. But on the night itself, yeah, it's going to be a fantastic night for Dublin football, the All-Ireland, many... Uh, Dublin girls being represented there as well and to be there myself watching them win and hopefully plenty of all-stars it's great it's going to be great for my family it's great for my club as well that I'm there and uh, hopefully a good night on the night yeah, well, you mentioned Siobhan and Alwyn there, both of whom, of course, have uh, been on All-Star winning nights uh, th- themselves. And for you to be up there uh, will be will be fantastic uh, as well. Christina, you do tremendous work up there in Thomas Davis and uh, the very best of luck and continued success with what you do there. And I hope that yourself and your family and everyone connected with Thomas Davis enjoys their night on November the 18th as well. And I really appreciate you taking time out from what I'm sure is a busy Saturday morning schedule to join us in the programme this morning as well. No problem, Desmond. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. No bother at all. Christina McGinty, an absolute legend, a word that's overused at times, but certainly um, certainly is not in her case. Thanks indeed to Christina. OK, we are going to stick with Gaelic Games. Our regular hurling analyst, Sean Lane, joins us in the studio for a look ahead to the uh, county hurling final between Ballyboden and St. Enders and Nafina. That'll be coming up later. But uh, good morning, Sean. You uh, would... Um, know a fair bit about the, the quality of work that the likes of Christina would be doing out in Thomas Davis. Oh absolutely Declan and I suppose look every club has has one uh, but she does tremendous work and has an, a, a very very good award and well deserved. Okay well speaking of awards and winners Kilmacud Croaks were crowned champions of Dublin for a third consecutive year last Sunday at Parnell Park defeating Ballyboden St Enders in the final. The key moment of brilliantly taking Shane Walsh goal eight minutes after half time and Croaks never looked back so they're still Dublin, Leinster and All-Ireland champions. Well, as is well customary now on County Final Day, I make my way onto the Parnell Park pitch to get the very best of reaction for you on Dublin's Talking Sport. Who better to start with than uh, Robbie Brennan, banished or Kilmacud Croaks, who put into words his thoughts on a tremendous success for his team. Phenomenal deck, it's, it's, it's Dublin for Dublin Championships and Kilmacud is what it's about and uh, if you never won another game, it'll be that'll be fine. You know, three three in a row is, is historic for uh, certainly in the club. I know some been done before in Dublin by some brilliant teams: Nafina, Thomas Davis, Vincent's O'Toole's ones I can remember anyway. Um, but that's a that's a phenomenal uh, achievement by the lads to to come back and as I say, pick themselves up off the floor against Rahini and then deliver a performance like that. So I, don't, I don't know how they did it, but they did it. Some people might have looked with a little bit of surprise at the the team that was announced before the game. And Connor Ferris didn't play, and Keen O'Connor didn't play as well. Robbie, what was the thinking behind those changes? Yeah, a couple of little niggles. Connor had a a, a shoulder injury that he picked up towards the end of the Rahini game, so that was a risk. And Keen the same, just 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 coming into the week, so um, just felt it wasn't worth the worth the, worth the full gamble to start them, but um, they'd be available hopefully for the next day. You know. 
tight enough first half, seven points to five up. It was always going to take perhaps a moment of brilliance yeah. to ultimately decide the game. And it came courtesy of Shane Walsh. Yeah, phenomenal. Listen, he's, 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 he's a freak of a talent, you know. I don't know how he does it. I still think he might have been going for a point, but he says he was going for the goal. Uh, but no, that's what Shane can do. And, and he's a joy to watch and joy to watch and train and a joy to watch when he's on a pitch. Like, that's, that's what you're here to see. And uh, delighted for him that he, he stuck him in the top corner, yeah. It's nine months today since you won the All-Ireland. Don't know if you knew that. 22nd, 22nd of January 2023. Well, it was a couple of weeks later, of course, once it was all sorted out. But uh, <laughs> that, that was the way it worked out. But go on now to the defence of the Leinster title initially against the Carlo champions, Era Ogan, in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, that'd be huge. I haven't, couldn't tell you a thing about it. I know they won yesterday, that's all I know. I haven't, I haven't looked at it, say, because of Dublin being Dublin, how hard it is to get out. So... Uh, We'll enjoy this tonight and, and, and switch our focus then and, and see we're obviously it's away down in, 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 in Dr. Cullen Park. So it'll be a tough ask, but we'll 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 address that maybe on Tuesday. Finally, I mean you know, it's three in our own accounting, you're still Leinster and Ireland champions, as we say, but I mean to keep coming back to the well, Robbie. I mean, explain to us how you keep doing that. Okay, it nearly didn't happen against Rohini the last day, but you came through as champions do, and you came through today again. Yeah, it's all this and all testament to the to the lads. Very little that I do with them, they just have that bit of hunger and as I say, how they keep coming back and back. Football means a lot to them, you know. They take it very seriously when they're there. They enjoy tonight, no, don't get me wrong, but they're serious when they're when, when, about their business when they're playing and training and it's it's just a huge testament to them and to the club, you know. Finally, can I ask you about the involvement of, of Bernard Flynn? He has a smile on his face there, I'd say, as big as the time he won the All-Irelands with Mead going back way when. Yeah, Bernard, he's, he's our eyes in the stand at the minute and, uh, listen, a huge experience, obviously, a wealth, a wealth of knowledge that you could tap into and... Uh, Good man drinking a pint as well. We can get a crack when we go out. So um, no, he's great to have him. Great to have him involved. Another set of eyes and anything we can do to help us, we do. You know, he certainly would have been proud of Shane Walsh's finish for the goal too. Yeah, he'd have loved one of them. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But yeah, no, good fella. Okay, Robbie, congratulations on three in a row for the county. Yeah, thanks, Dick. Thank Cheers. you very much. Talk to you soon. Okay, Shane Walsh joins us on the pitch here at Parnell Park. Uh, Shane, ultimately, it was your goal that I think probably decided this county final. What do you remember about it now? Ah, to, to be honest, I just—I think what typified even before the goal was the work rate from everyone behind me because everyone was working their socks off and they were earned the turnover. And I happened to be free at the time. And yeah, look, when you get a chance like that, you're going to go for goal. But look, I thought today our work rate just typified everything we did. We just never took our foot off the pedal. You know, from Higgy at the in goal right out to Dan the corner and Jim. Like you know, I thought they were excellent in the full back line and just everyone just stood up today. I thought there was no weakening today. And even off our bench, everyone had an impact on the game. Seven points to five at half time. There's probably a feeling around that it was going to take something special or magical just to, you know, to set, settle it down. And from your own team's point of view, it was your goal that did it. Yeah, I suppose look, it, it was that kind of game. It, it was very tight, and I suppose when opportunities come like that, we probably spurned one in the first half, and I think they had one as well, a pass over the top that they kind of missed. So, look, those chances weren't going to come too often. And when that came along, I just, I, I only one thought in my head was to go for it because I said, if we get a goal here, this is going to put us on the on the pig's back. And thankfully, that kind of did, and we kicked on from there even after that. Like we didn't just sit on it; we kept on working, kept on working, got the few scores on the break, and Joe ultimately kind of saw the game out comfortably. And three in a row, county champions as well a special feeling a week before Halloween yeah no yeah I suppose it's, it's only back to back for me but it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a brilliant feeling for the club like even just coming into it like the lads like the, there was no talk for it really to be honest
honest from, from the team perspective everyone was focused on just putting a huge effort in for the final like that was what it was it was another game like I know in the background noise probably people are talking about three in a row and teams doing it before and yeah just like I suppose the lads have put their mark down now in the history books in the club and just what, what, a, what a performance to, to do it with But finally for me I mean you know it's three in a row as we say in the county but I mean you've been in the last two <laughs> All-Ireland club finals and you've had runs through Leinster obviously before that as well that's a lot of mileage on the clock for, for a lot of players but yet the hunger and the desire to succeed is is as is strong as ever how did they maintain that I suppose it's just each 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 player that comes training every night like you know lads pull each other up on things when you go training and just the effort that's been put in the training even like and they just don't let the the, the standard drop really like and that's that's a testament to all the players that even because I came into it like it wasn't as if I came along and it started to happen they'd been in an all Ireland club final before then and they just kept going and like everyone that comes in even Wardy there Dempsey uh, Joe the young lads coming through they're all just buying into it even Quinners coming back from America it was just brilliant all those lads they just, they just know what you're into and everyone just raised the level and when you have that at training every single week like it can bring you special places and we know all about it last January and we know all about it today as well Shane thanks for your time enjoy your evening cheers thanks for congratulations to Shane Walsh it's Robbie Brennan and all at Kilmacud Croaks on three in a row in the county last week they're out again next Saturday evening against Era Og of Carlow at Netwatch Cullen Park a quarter to eight is the throw in time for that one uh, finally on Croaks congratulations to their ladies they are county champions of course as well they won 5.23 to 7 points over Dunshockland Royal Gales in the Leinster Championship quarter final they're out tomorrow against Milltown of Westmead two o'clock throw in there the best of luck to Paddy O'Donoghue and the crew. Well, we'll be focused here tomorrow in the county on the Senior Hurling Championship final sponsored by Go Ahead Ireland. Ballyboden St. Enders, the pride of the south side, taking on Nafina, pride of the north side. Classic uh, cross Liffey derby in the county final for 2023. Our regular hurling analyst, Sean Lane, joins us in studio again this morning. Good to see you, Sean, on the eve of county final day. Morning, Declan. How are you doing? Gosh, we're flying. We're absolutely flying. As are Ballyboden St. Enders at the moment. League champions, they're in the county final now as well, Sean. So great progress being made there by David Curtin this year on the Fairhouse Road. Yeah, he's done a, a smashing job. Um, as you said, they had a tremendous league campaign and won the league final. Um, you know, had a really, really good um, round-robin competition. Uh, did lose to Nafina in that. But um, the semi-final and, and the quarter-final, Declan, they, they've shown some form. They kind of completely blew cool out of it, the water of the quarter-final. And uh, the game against Vincent's, I think, will really stand to them. They were That game was won and it was lost. It went extra time, but they dug in and maybe a lick of paint saved them at the end of the day from a penalty. But they got through and they're shown some form. On the other side of Declan, you have to point out that Nafina's last three games, is, is they, they beat Bally Bowden 3-15, 1-16 in the round robin. They beat Kilmacud, which will give them huge confidence, putting four goals past them. And even the last day against Lucan in a very tight um, game where there was space was you know they came out of the blocks and went nine one up and they were ten six up, so uh, Nafina shown some form as well. So I'm really looking forward to a smashing game tomorrow. Yeah, Nafina got a big monkey off their back in the quarterfinal, of course, defeating Kilmacud Croaks, the defending county champions, who they'd lost the two previous uh, county finals to. Uh, tremendous relief, I'm sure, on the Mulvey Road at that particular success. But how much extra pressure does that put on them then? The fact that they've knocked out the county champions. 
Well, I suppose there's going to be huge pressure on them, Declan. There's no doubt whether they they beat, you know, Croaks or not. Um, they're in a toward final, and they have whether they like it or not. They've lost the the first two finals. You have to go back not too far to see Kilmacud lost three finals in a row, uh, two to Kula and one to Ballyboden. I think sixteen, seventeen, and eighteen, and there was huge pressure on them to win the one in eighteen, and and they did. But um, yeah, there will be huge pressure on Nafina. They'll put it on themselves. And look, Declan, you know, for Nafina to win this game, you'd you'd want to be saying that look at going down the final straight they'd want to be a couple of points above I, I, I just think that pressure could get to them if there are a couple of scores behind with 7 or 8 minutes to go and they're kind of looking at one another saying is, is this the same again as last year but I think they've a fine team Declan and, and um, you know we'll see how it ends up mm, It's a game of course that's going to be shown on national television as well so a tremendous opportunity for Dublin hurling to be showcased to the national audience so much talent on both sides Sean um, from first of all the Ballyboden perspective who are likely match winners for them tomorrow? Well, I suppose match winners usually they say come when they're playing up front. You know, now I, I have a different view. I, I like if you've got six backs playing really well, they can do an awful lot of harm to it, the, 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 the opponent's forwards. But certainly the, the two older heads of, of Paul Ryan is picked to play at corner forward and Niall McMurray at centre forward. You've Connor Dooley on the wing. I, I just think if the three of them get going, um, I, I think that, you know, the, the, they'll certainly go a long way to winning it, provided. Also, that their half-back line is Shane Dorkin. Um, I know he played midfield the last day, but Shane Dorkin will have a role, be it as a sweeper, um, to certainly look after this Nafina full forward line. Um, if if Bowden can get the, you know, hold the Nafina full forward line, um, you know, to very few scores from play, and certainly keep away from scoring a green flag, and Paul Ryan and Niall McMurray have a really good game uh, up front for Bally Bowden. There'll probably be only one outcome if, if that's you know the way it unfolds tomorrow. I'm not too sure it will. I still think on the other side from Nafina's side, you know they they they've Pierre Feeney, John Tierney, the unsung heroes, big men. Uh, you know the 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 they've uh, Donald Burke as we know doesn't play tomorrow, but his two brothers. Uh, both are, are picked to play in the full back line Kevin and Sean uh, Liam Rush will have a huge impact on it I'm sure um, that Colm O'Callaghan will, will, will force um, uh, Conor O'Donoghue the, 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 the Bowden goalie to poke the ball long which will be you know music to Liam Rush's ears he'll be trying to lord it in disguise uh, but you know I just think if Nafina can get enough ball into AJ and the two Currys Perhaps it, it, it the, 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 the championship will return to Nafina. The south side has gone for the north side. The neighbours won't be happy with you, Sean. The <laughs> neighbours will not be happy. I'm staying strictly neutral, my friends in the Fairhouse Road, before you start texting us in. I just hope for a good game of, of hurling tomorrow afternoon. And well, finally, on this, Sean, a great, there's a great freshness to this, really, isn't there? In Bowden, it's 2018 since they won it. Nafina, as we know, have never won it. So if they were to win it to break the chain of Bowden, Croaks, and, and Kula over the last number of years, would be significant. Yeah, it would, and it'd be good for for Dublin Hurling as well. Um, I suppose I'm a bit like the parish priest. I'll be shouting for one of these teams, and I'll be praying for the other one because I I genuinely don't like to see any of these two teams. Bowden, as you pointed out, are neighbours, and I would have tremendous friendships with with with, with people uh, in, in the Fianna. So it, it's a hard one to call from my own perspective. But uh, look at um, you know Bowden have huge tradition. There's only three Dublin teams ever to win five in a row commercials did it back in the 80s the guards did it from 1925 to 1929 and as we know Bowden did it from 07 to 11 they did win it in in 18 under Joe Fortune 
uh, does quite a few of those players around her, blooding new players in. Uh, look, Nafina never won it. Um, as you said, from 2007 all the way to last year, there's only the three south side clubs of Bowden, Croaks and, and Kula have won it. To go to the north side, I think it would be good for Dublin Hurling. Um, and, you know, uh, Vincent's were very, very close as well. You know, they were a lick of paint away from, from going to the final as well. So we nearly had an all north side final. But I think it'll be a tremendous spectacle. I think it'll be very tight. Uh, it'll go down to the wire and it'll be, you know, who can get a goal if, if any of them do or who can get a second goal if the other gets a goal. I think it'll be right down to one or two plays overall in the match yeah. that'll decide this. I don't know if you can get a bus directly from Ballantyre to the Moby Road. Just thinking of a few points, you know, if, if all goes well over the next few weeks, because I'm sure the, the lads, Tom Ryan, etc., will welcome you with open arms down there. Just finally, on the hurling in general, um, Sean, is there anything fresh there for Michal Donoghue? Any, any little nugget has emerged over the last couple of months that could be introduced to the panel to try and make a, more of a difference next year? I, I, there is. There's a couple of these Dufina fellas w- will certainly have to be, be looked at. Paul O'Dea is a nice, tidy little hurler. And as I said, the, the, the two Donalds, two brothers, are, are, are two fine hurlers. And, and indeed, if you take the last game, Declan, um, you know, Nafina did really well first half and flew out of the blocks, but they had to rely on their defence um, the, the second half. So, OK, Liam Rush probably, you know, would be turning back the clock, but certainly there's a few of these Nafina lads and, and the two Currys up front and AJ. I mean, AJ, let's be clear, he banged in three goals and three points, as you quite quite rightly said, against uh, Kimmercote Croaks, who had won two county championships. That's pretty good opposition to do that against. So, you know, wouldn't it be great if you're Michal Dunahoo and you sit down afterwards and you say, OK, let me discard four or five guys from last year's panel that didn't make it, and what I've seen this year from Nafina, from Vincent's, um, you know, and all of these new teams on the floor, I have four or five to add into the squad. I think we'll be in a far better place going forward next year. Tomorrow, of course, is Marathon Sunday in the capital from the early early hours about 9 o'clock or so tomorrow morning but let's hope it's all settled in 70 minutes uh, 60 minutes tomorrow evening Could I just wish, wish my own club a small bit of, course, of luck tomorrow and my, my brother and Ken Sheehan and Brian Sutton are managing the junior team they're playing the county final against Ballyboden so uh, I wish to treat them and the players yeah. the best of luck on that yeah. tomorrow Well whatever about not getting into the clubhouse in the Furhouse Road they certainly wouldn't let you back into your own clubhouse if you didn't mention that And, a, and a, an answer to your earlier question cabinets on the Malahide Road with myself and Declan Feeney can always be a good place for a pint <laughs> Yes, yes indeed. And the advertising department will be on to them fairly soon, looking for their reward as well. Sean, look forward to the county final tomorrow afternoon. 4.25 should be a great occasion to have the turnstile spinning at the nail. Forget the television coverage. Get along there if you can and watch a fine game of hurling tomorrow afternoon. Good morning, Alan. Morning, Declan. How are you? Ah, sure. Not too bad at all, thanks. Not too bad at all, Al. Watching history being made at Inchicore last night as Shamrock Rovers won the four in a row for the first time since 1987. Before we get your thoughts on that and indeed the season in general, I caught up with fellow Crumlin man Pico Lopez post-match at Richmond Park last night. Always great to see Crumlin man come out on top. Pico Lopez of Shamrock Rovers. Four in a row champions. I know you've only literally just done it in the last few minutes, but is it possible to put into words what it means to you on a personal level? It's just, it's unbelievable. As I say, it's, it, it's, first of all, it's, it's a big relief and it's, it's something that I've heard about since I started playing League of Ireland football and it was since anyone's been related to Rovers, it's all they talk about. And to be up in that sort of category with the great Farnham Road team, it's, it's just unbelievable and something that I'll cherish for the rest of my life. 
And uh, the substitutions that the boss made tonight, all three of them proving significant in the victory as well. You knew it was going to be a tough battle coming down here tonight. Absolutely, and that just goes to show you how important the squad is. Everyone plays their role here, from, from young lads coming through, from new lads coming in, lads off the bench. You see the goals that we got tonight, Greener, Borky, it's, it's, and dealing with the cross, like, that's what it's all about. We need everyone coming in, making impacts, and we've done that throughout the season. People, you know, like Pat Byrne, Mick Byrne, they're all John Cody, they're always around Tallaght, they're always supporting and encouraging you. They were the last to do it back in 87. You've done it here now tonight, not too far from Tallaght, so to be in their company, Pico, what is that mean? It's incredible. As to say, they were, they were fantastic players, but they were great men. As you say, they're always there supporting us. They always wanted to do us. I had the pleasure to speak with, with John Cody multiple times and, and Liam, Liam O'Brien and Harry Kenny and all these lads. And they always, they always want us to do it. Like, and to t- see that them, they want us to lift it to the next level. It's just incredible. And now we're, we're up there with them. It has been a difficult season. You know, the first part of it, a lot of questions, mostly from the outside, it must be said, a lot of external noise. But you seem to insulate yourself from it very well and just get on with the business of working your way up that table getting yourself into the position that you're in now yeah that's part of it I think like look, everyone's going to talk everyone, there's, there's always going to be pressure on you you're up there to be shot at, at the end of the day like, and, and we knew if we retained that title we'd make history and that was always the driving force for us like, and I think we've been really good at that like, it's just sort of shutting the door and just focus on ourselves how can we get a three points every week and keep crawling up that league uh, congratulations there and thanks for his time uh, Roberto Lopez post-match last night 2-0 win goals from Aaron Green and Graham Burke two substitutes with the goals Alan Cawley it's done and dusted with a couple of games to spare Shamrock Rovers four in a row champions like we knew they were going to be really for some time yeah they got there in the end Declan um, I suppose this was out of the four seasons that they've won the league this was I think Stephen Bradley said last night his toughest one and the one where they've probably haven't hit the heights of what they have in the previous two or three but it's all about getting over that line Declan and as you say they got the three points last night takes them to victory with two games to spare and it's hard to begrudge them really whoever finishes top at the end of the league as we all know deserves it uh, regardless of how their form has been throughout the year they're the ones at the top come the end and um, it's a hell of an achievement for Stephen Bradley as well considering he's only 38 years of age as you say the equal history and obviously make his own because I think there was two managers combined for the previous four in a row. He's done it on his own. It's an incredible achievement and fair play to him. Yeah, Jim McLaughlin was there for the three and Dermot Keeney took over in 87, the final season at Milltown when they won the trophy. But uh, yeah, special congratulations to Stephen. It's been a particularly tough year for him personally, of course, with his young son Josh as well. So tremendous outpouring of emotion from him at the end of the game last night. So congratulations to all connected at Shamrock Rovers on their four in a row. But uh, they have a lot of work to do now. Um, next season or ahead of next season of course Alan in preparation for a potential five in a row because there's going to be so much of a, a squad uh, turnover Yeah you would think so um, he was asked that question last night Stephen and he doesn't feel there's a big rebuild on but I definitely think they need to freshen things up um, a few players out of contract the manager himself I think situation needs to be sorted out he was putting it back to the board last night so there is a few murmurings going on in the background. I think there's a bit of trouble going on within as well. So they'll need to resolve all that stuff in the off-season and try and nail Stephen down if that's what they want to do to try and go for that five in a row. They will have challengers next year. You would expect a bigger and better challenge from some of the clubs next year. Obviously, Pats have a very young side. If they can hold on to a lot of those young players in the off-season, you would think they'll put up a, a, a stern challenge next year considering John Dale, Daly has done such a brilliant job Derry, I've been a bit disappointed with them. They've had ma- many opportunities, Declan, throughout the year, but they just haven't stepped up. 
Uh, Bohemians, you would think, would be a lot better next year as well. Obviously, Declan is only his first season this year. And Shelburne, if they get the investment and if they were to get Europe as well, I think they'll be a strong force next year. So hopefully the league will be much more competitive next year. I felt it was always Shamrock Rovers doing enough this year. And ultimately, it came down to Declan. The games against the opposition, the top opposition, they took 10 points off St. Pat's out of 12. They took 10 points out of 12 against Bohemians. They lost to Derry in their first match, but the next three, they took seven points out of nine. So they're the games that matter, and in those games that matter against your nearest rivals, Shamrock Rovers always stepped up. Yeah, so the league title is done and dusted, but what isn't done and dusted just yet is fourth place and the potential for European qualification through the league. Last night, Jack Moylan Hattrick placed Shelburne in the box seat with a 3-2 win over UCD. Bowes beaten 2-0 away at Dundalk. You'd have to and Derry, or pardon me, Dundalk are, are in the mix there as well. So who ultimately, Alan, is going to come through that next week? Yeah, I'll be very tough I suppose Declan but it was a massive result for Shelburne when you think QCD have been the whipping boys all year it would have been a major major disaster had they slipped up and it looked like that for a long spell obviously they conceded two goals it took an 89th minute winner from Jack Moylan to get them over the line but that's what it's all about is just getting over the line and that puts them in the driving seat for next week Dundalk have played their way back into the race I suppose with two victories back to back beating Sligo last week and beating Bohemians at home last night so that was big for them as well Bohemians have been the big disappointment, Declan. I know they're in the cup final and that's a, that's a great achievement, but they have to go and win that now because it looks like that four places out of reach for them. And their form in the last two, three months has been very, very patchy and I'm sure that's a worry for Declan. Going into the cup final, well, they would have wanted to guarantee fourth automatically. They're going to have to win the cup, it looks like, now to get that fourth place or to get that European place. Yeah, and they're going to have to do it without Keith Buckley as well, who had a bad diagnosis on his knee problem last week as well. So huge disappointment for him. So that's the domestic stuff. On the cross-channel stuff, um, Alan, a couple of years ago when Ant Postacoglu was appointed Celtic manager, was many eyebrows raised, my own included, I'd have to say, and I've no great affiliation to Celtic, but I just wondered what exactly they were doing with him as manager. Well, we know what he did up there. He's come down south of the border to Spurs and he's working his magic there again yeah phenomenal the start has just been incredible Declan um, I think it's 26 points now it's the best start a manager has ever had in the Premier League he broke that record with the win on Monday night 23 points out of his first 8 games um, or 9 games but it's just incredible we're still very early into the season Declan but I suppose the, the discussion is turning out to kind of go and win the league and when you think there's no European football Benton Kerr has come back from injury as well that'll strengthen them why not? You know, because all the other teams will have the distractions of European football and cup football. They've got out of the League Cup as well. It's going to be difficult to see can they maintain this form. But right now they're playing as well as they've ever played. It's phenomenal the job that he's done and the impact that he's had. And not just him. I think the players as well deserve a lot of credit. They like the Madison coming in, taking the role like a duck to water, taking the number 10 jersey from Harry Kane. And it's like as if Harry Kane was never even at Spurs. And who would have thought that when he left, considering how good he was for them? So... They've had an unbelievable start. My little lad is very happy. He's a big Spurs fan, Declan. We've been over two or three times in the last few weeks and the place is bouncing over there. Um, and long may it continue. Yes, indeed, from, from their point of view. Some other big games taking place over the weekend, of course, is the Manchester Derby, Manchester United versus Manchester City. Um, both sides have uh, rediscovered form a little bit after blips lately. Yeah, they have, and it's going to be a big match. It always is the Manchester Derby, any Derby for that matter, but certainly the Manchester one will be big tomorrow. City have looked like they've turned a, a corner after a little bit of a wobble. 
uh, Rodri is back and he's such a huge player for them. Everybody speaks to De Bruyne and Haaland and rightly so, but Rodri makes them tick um, and he's such an influence on that team. So with him back, they certainly look a lot stronger and the results prove that. United, I'm not sure if I'd use the phrase turn the corner, but they're just getting the job done. They're doing enough. And, and that's all that matters, Declan, is that they are getting the job done, but it still wouldn't fill you with any confidence, especially when you're going into place like the Man City and the qualities they have. It's hard to see how, how United can get a victory against them. Anything can happen on the day, but I just think Man City have too much quality for them. Now, United are turning a corner, but it's a very big corner. There's a long way to go around it, that's for sure. But, it's uh, the corner I've ever seen. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. And it's taken so many managers to try and turn it as well over the years. But uh, the other European representatives, of course, that played on Thursday are playing tomorrow as well. West Ham, Everton, Aston Villa, who are having a fantastic season, and Unai Emery as well, playing Luton. Brighton versus Fulham. What about Brighton? But more so, Al, briefly, what about the demise of Ajax? What's going on in Amsterdam? I was only looking at the match during the week, um, Declan, and it's hard to believe what's gone on at Ajax. Such a brilliant, brilliant club, huge tradition. Uh, the players they've produced over the years has just been absolutely incredible. And to see where they are in the era of the Vizzy and obviously losing managers left, right and centre since Ten Hag has gone. And then to go to Brighton. I know Brighton are a brilliant team now, but who would have thought Ajax would have gone to Brighton and literally just shut up shop and defended for 90 minutes and tried to hold out? It was a great result for Brighton. But, as you say, the demise of Ajax is, is startling, really. It's incredible. Yeah, if you take your eye off the ball at all, you can, you can, you can be in, in some trouble. So, um, you'll be looking forward to a feast of uh, football across the course of the weekend, Al. I'm sure I will, Declan, yeah. I'm heading down to Sligo tonight, Drogheda and Sligo, the Manchester Derby tomorrow, and I'll be in Turner's Cross on Monday, albeit it's a bit of a damp squib now, but we're covering the game on Monday, and it'll be more just speaking about Shamrock Rovers and the, the achievements of that four in a row, I'm sure. Thanks for listening to Dublin Stock and Sport on Sunshine 106.8 from myself, Ken and Reggie. Have a good weekend.